the ruler of Wakanda, the most technologically advanced country in Marvel Comics, the king of the dead, and one of the smartest men in the Marvel Universe. B is for Black Panther on this episode of N is for Nerd. Hi everyone, I'm Ray and I would like to welcome you to my second episode of N is for Nerd, a deconstructed exploration into the history of comic book characters because comics are complicated. This is episode two, B is for Black Panther. You may have noticed that this episode is coming out quite a bit behind episode one, A is for Adam Warlock. I'm still trying to figure out all the timelines and everything with the research, recording, and editing, but I hope to have these episodes out for you in a much more timely manner from here on out. If you want to keep up with everything we're doing here at In Is For Nerd, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can go to our website, inisfornerd.com. Also, if you'd like to help support me and this podcast monetarily, we have a Patreon, and we'd really appreciate that, as I'm hoping to do a lot more fun things with the podcast moving forward. I'll link all of this in the show notes, and you can get the full notes from this episode on inisfornerd.com, so check that out. Now, let's dive into the bees with the Black Panther. Black Panther is a character that is often underestimated by people of the Marvel Universe as well as comic book fans. He's a very rich character, both literally and figuratively. He's so rich, he's often cited as being one of the richest men in comics, more so than Tony Stark and Bruce Wayne. He's also said to be at least as good of a tactician as Captain America and one of the smartest men on Earth in comparison with Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four. So before we get in too much deeper, let's go over a few things you may need some background on before we dive in. We'll be discussing the Black Panther mostly from the Marvel 616 universe. 616 is the designation that Marvel gives for its main continuity, although there are many other versions of the Black Panther, including the one currently in the MCU. We're going to focus on the one from the 616 universe. First off, the Black Panther is actually a rank of office granted to the chieftain or king of the Wakanda Panther clan, so the Black Panther can be different people. We'll be mostly discussing T'Challa, who has been the Black Panther for the majority of Marvel Comics history. In most cases, when someone refers to the Black Panther, this is who they mean. Although we will see other people have owned the title. We'll also be discussing Wakanda. Wakanda is a fictional country located in Northeast Africa. It is and was isolated for most of its history. Uh, It's also the most technologically advanced civilization in the world. And its major resource is vibranium, which may sound familiar, and it should, because this is the metal that was used to construct Captain America's shield. Black Panther's suit is also created from a micro-mesh of vibranium. Vibranium is a mystical metal that can absorb kinetic energy and vibrations. That's why Thor can hit Captain America's shield, and it doesn't hurt Cap. 
and people can shoot at Black Panther, and he's okay. Uh, these are two of the reasons that Wakanda has kept isolated and shut off from the world for so long. They feared that the outside world would try and steal their technology or vibranium. It's also made quite clear that Wakanda has never been invaded or conquered. They pretty much keep to themselves, but they will also defend themselves fiercely. Okay, now that we have all of that out of the way, let's talk a little bit about Black Panther's publication history. So, the Black Panther is known as one of the first black superheroes in mainstream comics. He was created by the legendary minds of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and debuted in Fantastic Four's issues number 52 and 53 in 1966. Later in 1968, he joined Captain America in Tales of Suspense numbers 97 through 99. And in 1968, he also appeared in the Avengers number 52, and he was featured in subsequent issues after. In 1972, his name was briefly changed to the Black Leopard to avoid association with the Black Panther political party. However, after some time, the name was changed back to Black Panther. Stanley and fans seemed to not enjoy him being called the Black Leopard. Black Panther's first starring feature was Jungle Adventures number 5 in 1973 by Don McGregor. That series ran all the way to issue number 24 in 1976. The first arc was titled Panther's Rage and ran for 13 issues. It was one of the first self-contained stories that ran through multiple issues. Uh, this is something that's very common in comic books today, but at the time it was not common at all. So some consider it to be Marvel Comics' first graphic novel. The second arc was titled Panther vs. the Clan, and it ran from issues 19 through 24 in 1976. This was a storyline that involved the Black Panther battling the Ku Klux Klan, and of course was considered quite controversial at the time. In 1977, the Black Panther finally received his own self-titled publication. It ran for 15 issues, and the story arc ended in Marvel premiere number 51 through 53. It wasn't until 1988 that the Black Panther got his own self-titled again, with a four-issue miniseries written by Peter B. Giles and penciled by Dennis Cohen. A full decade later in 1998, we get volume three of the Black Panther, which ran for 62 issues. This was written by Christopher Priest and penciled by Mark Texera. The final 13 issues actually feature Casper Cole as the Black Panther instead of T'Challa. This series was interesting because it was under the Marvel Knights imprint. Marvel Knights was an imprint that Marvel started in the late 90s. The imprint was focused on strong, standalone stories and high production qualities. From 2005 to 2008, Black Panther Volume 4 ran for 41 issues, the first 38 of which were written by the filmmaker Reginald Hudlin, and the first six issues were penciled by John Romita Jr. In 2009, we get Volume 5 of The Black Panther, again scripted by Hudlin. This series focuses on T'Challa's sister, Shuri, while she held the title of Black Panther. And in 2011, T'Challa becomes the new protector of Hell's Kitchen. In Daredevil issue number 513, it becomes Black Panther, the man without fear. The man without fear was typically the tagline given to Daredevil. In 2016, we saw Tanahasi Coates take over the Black Panther with artist Brian Stelfreeze and is still currently working on the Black Panther. That is most of the publication history of the Black Panther, so now let's move on to talk about some of his powers and abilities. 
as I stated earlier, the Black Panther is actually a title or rank in Wakanda. The person who is attached to the title of Black Panther is expected to take a mystical herb called the heart-shaped herb. This is an herb that would normally kill humans, but in the Black Panther, it augments the user's strength, speed, agility, senses, healing, reflexes, and so much more. These are the abilities you get just by taking the herb. But the Black Panther is also connected with the Wakandan Panther God. The Panther God can further augment your powers. T'Challa is also considered one of the top eight smartest men in the Marvel Universe. He has a PhD in physics from Oxford University. And as we'll see a little bit later, he's also the king of the dead. This gives him the ability to connect with the power and knowledge from former Black Panthers. It's also shown to give him control over the dead. Uh, as king of Wakanda, he's also one of the wealthiest men on Earth and king of the most technologically advanced country in the world, which gives him access to tons of vibranium and panther technology. So let's discuss the Black Panther's origin story. It's interesting to me that in his first story, there wasn't an origin. During the Silver Age, that seemed to be the normal thing. If you have a character, they need an origin. It may be because Black Panther was introduced as a secondary character in the Fantastic Four book. Stan and Kirby may have felt that he didn't need an origin. So in his first appearance, he just shows up. And his origin was actually added in later. Uh, we discussed how the Black Panther is actually a title and not a person. The Black Panther title is actually hereditary as well, but it isn't just given out to someone in line for it. Uh, the person must actually earn the title. T'Challa's father T'Chaka and mother Niami ruled Wakanda before T'Challa was born. Uh, Niami died in childbirth, and T'Chaka was killed by the mercenary Ulysses Claw, while Claw was attempting to steal vibranium from Wakanda. Fantastic Four number 53 tells the tale of Claw stealing vibranium for one of his experiments and killing T'Chaka. T'Challa saw his father killed by Claw, and he attacked the mercenary. Claw was able to escape with the vibranium, but it was at the expense of his right hand. It was then up to T'Challa to become the next Black Panther. He would have to succeed in certain trials for this to come to pass. Some of the trials included a walkabout, defeating six other champions of the Wakanda tribes, also defeating the current Black Panther. If he's able to make it through all of those trials, then he would receive the heart-shaped herb. Once he has taken the heart-shaped herb, he is connected to the Panther God Bast. These are the two things that give the Black Panther his powers. During his walkabout, he encounters a teenage orphan named Aurora Monroe, who later becomes the X-Men Storm, and they fall in love with each other, but unfortunately they have to break off their relationship, because there is revenge to be had. T'Challa must avenge his father's death and become the leader that Wakanda needs. T'Challa is able to finish the walkabout, and he defeats the champions. Not to be confused with the 1975 team of the champions with Angel and Ghost Rider and Hercules and Iceman, or even the 2016 team with Miss Marvel, Spider-Man, uh, Cyclops, Viv Vision, Hulk. No, 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 no. These are the champions of Wakanda. This also includes his uncle, Sion, who is the current Black Panther. He's able to defeat them, and then he takes the heart-shaped herb, and a new Black Panther is made. 
This takes place in Marvel Team-Up number 11980. It's also revisited in Storm Volume 2, 1 through 6 in 2006, and Black Panther Volume 4, issues number 2 through 3. Okay, so let's dig a little bit deeper into the history of Black Panther. The first time we actually meet the Black Panther is in Fantastic Four number 53 and 54, and that's in 1966. Uh, the Black Panther is concerned with what the threat of super beans may be on Wakanda. So he devises a plan where he'll invite the Fantastic Four to Wakanda and test them and himself. Once he's able to neutralize each member of the Fantastic Four, he knows he's ready to try and defeat Claw. Of course, with this being the Silver Age, the Fantastic Four are fine with this. They're completely understanding, and at the end of the comic, they become friends with T'Challa. He even helps them defeat Psycho Man in Fantastic Four Annual number 5. In Avengers number 52 in 1968, T'Challa actually joins the Avengers, and in issue 74 of the Avengers, he reveals his true identity on national television. In 1973, T'Challa leaves active membership of the Avengers to return home to Wakanda. Uh, during the 70s, we see the Panther return to Wakanda to prevent civil war and defeat this usurper. Eric Killmonger, and uh, later he'll travel to the American South to fight the Ku Klux Klan. He also gains a mystical time relic called King Solomon's Frog in the Black Panther miniseries 1 through 4 in 1977. In 1998, the Black Panther got a mild reinvention by writer Christopher Priest, which made him a more contemporary character. This was under the Black Panther series that was on the Marvel subsidiary uh, Marvel Knights. In Black Panther Volume 4, number 18, T'Challa marries Aurora Monroe, who is Storm from the X-Men. After their marriage, they take a diplomatic tour to Latveria, the country ruled by Doctor Doom, Adelan, the home of the Inhumans, and Atlantis, ruled by Namor and several other countries. In 2006, Civil War has ravaged the Marvel Comics universe, and T'Challa has decided that he and Wakanda will stay neutral. However, when Ragnarok, a Thor robot clone created by Tony Stark, destroys a Wakandan embassy and also in the process kills their friend Bill Foster, Goliath, uh, Storm and T'Challa join the anti-registration faction with Captain America. After the Civil War, T'Challa and Storm take Reed and Sue Richards' place on the Fantastic Four for a time. In 2008, the Marvel world is facing its secret invasion from the Skrulls. Uh, Wakanda is able to fight back the Skrull army, trying to invade them to a standstill. In Black Panther Volume 5, T'Challa is beat within an inch of his life and falls into a coma after getting into a battle with Doctor Doom. This is when his sister Shiri takes over the mantle of Black Panther. When T'Challa awakens from his coma, he's without his powers given by Bast the Panther God, so he works with a sorceress to gain new powers. Because working with a sorceress is never a bad idea. But another panther god endows him with even more heightened powers than he had before so now he's prepared to take on doom again this brings us to 2010's doom war this takes place after doom defeats t'challa placing him in a coma and doom is planning to take the reserves of vibranium from wakanda wakanda has never successfully been invaded but it's never been invaded by doom dr doom has infected all the members of the wakandan government with nanobots that he created that make each person an unwilling and unknowing spy for him through this he's discovered a long-standing wakandan secret that vibranium can 
actually amplify mystical powers. Doom knows if he gets a hold of enough vibranium, he will be unstoppable. So he sets his plan in motion. He funds a coup with an ultra-conservative sect of Wakandans that want to become isolationist again. They essentially overthrow Shiri from her seat of power. While T'Challa and Shiri are busy dealing with the coup, it gives Doom the opportunity to break into the Wakandan vaults and steal the vibranium. But T'Challa has set up several locking defense mechanisms on his vault. The most interesting that Doom has to overcome is the purity lock. He must go before the panther god Bast, and if Bast judges you impure, he simply destroys you. But what's interesting is Doom is judged pure. It's interesting because when Bast inspects Doom closer, he finds out that Doom has traveled to many different futures, and the only one that doesn't end in some horrible apocalypse is where doom rules in this future all diseases they're cured there's no famine and justice is swift the world and society flourish under doom and bast realizes that although his methods may seem evil his motive is pure so doom is able to gain access to the vibranium T'Challa has found a loophole to destroy the properties of Vibranium, and it will make the Vibranium basically useless for Doom. And even though this will harm his people and possibly destroy their economy, T'Challa decides that he would rather do that than see it fall in the hands of Doom. So he destroys it. Shiri believes that uh, T'Challa has saved Wakanda by doing this, and the series ends with all of their friends helping to rebuild Wakanda. In 2012's Avengers vs. X-Men, five of the X-Men obtained the powers of the Phoenix, a super-destructive and resurrection-y cosmic firebird. Uh, one of those X-Men is Namor, and Namor being who he is, being Namor, and also being under the influence of Emma Frost and the Phoenix Force, uh, destroys Wakanda with a tidal wave. Unfortunately, this has consequences other than just destroying Wakanda. In AVX number 8, Storm comes to help T'Challa rebuild but T'Challa informs her that he's had their marriage annulled, and she or any of the other X-Men are not welcome in Wakanda. So this next era of Black Panther gets a little bit hairy. Uh, a lot of it is written by Jonathan Hickman, and although he's one of my favorite current comic book writers, his stuff can get pretty complex and is very intertwined. So I'll try to untangle some of it for you, but this stuff can get pretty crazy. This all works its way towards 2015's Secret War, and we're going to have to kind of explain Marvel's Illuminati first. In 2005, in New Avengers number 7, there was an important retcon that created this Illuminati. Uh, after the Kree and Scroll War, which actually happened in Avengers number 89 through 97 in 1971 and 1972, uh, Tony Stark realizes that there were several different groups in the superhero community that had different pieces of information that if put together, would show the whole picture of what was going on and could have saved a lot of lives and a lot of trouble. He wanted to form a secret team to prevent this in the future. Most of the heroes he summoned to the meeting kind of declined the idea, but did decide to meet up from time to time to exchange information. The first incarnation of the Illuminati consisted of Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, Black Bolt, King of the Inhumans, Charles Xavier of the X-Men, Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four, Namor, the Prince of Atlantis, and Tony Stark. Uh, T'Challa was also invited to join the group, but at this meeting, he declined, stating that he thought that the egos would get in the way, and the fallout in a group like this would be too great if there was ever a disagreement. 
The Illuminati were behind several kind of shady things in the Marvel Universe, uh, including launching the Incredible Hulk into space, which eventually resulted in World War Hulk. This original Illuminati eventually disbanded, but in 2013's New Avengers, T'Challa witnesses a strange thing where an Earth from an alternate timeline is about to crash into our Earth. This is called an incursion, and when the two worlds collide, it destroys both of the timelines that the Earths belong to. So this is pretty bad news. Eventually, this will lead to the end of everything. So T'Challa calls together a new Illuminati, including all of the original members, but also adding Captain America. And eventually, Beast takes the place of Professor Xavier because he was killed in Avengers vs. X-Men. Namor was also a part of this Illuminati, which, as you probably understand, could be a little problematic for T'Challa, seeing as how Namor destroyed Wakanda recently. Black Panther does address this with Namor, warning him that after all of this is said and done, he will kill Namor for the Wakandan blood that's on his hands. Eventually, there's another incursion, and Reed Richards has a plan for this, though. He's gathered the Infinity Stones and plans to combine them into the Infinity Gauntlet. I talked a lot about the Infinity Stones and the Infinity Gauntlet in Episode 1, A is for Adam Warlock, so if you're interested in hearing more about them or a refresher, go check that out. Using the power of the gauntlet, they plan to move the colliding Earth away from the 616 Earth so as to not cause the incursion. They give the gauntlet to Captain America, who is able to push the planet away, saving both Earths. But, unfortunately, the Infinity Gems all shatter, with the exception of the Time Gem, which just disappears. Time is running out, and the incursions are becoming more frequent. The brains of the Illuminati decide that they have to have a backup plan since the Infinity Gauntlet idea really didn't work out the way they wanted it to. So they've created an antimatter bomb that will destroy the other Earth at the next incursion. Captain America is not okay with this plan at all. And after some heated arguments about it, Tony tells Doctor Strange to wipe his memory of the Illuminati. From here on out, Captain America cannot remember what's going on. Uh, with the Illuminati and all. At this time, uh, Shiri, uh, T'Challa's sister, is actually the ruler of Wakanda, and Namor comes to T'Challa to offer peace between Wakanda and Atlantis. He wants T'Challa to take the offer to Shiri, but Shiri refuses the offer and sends her army to destroy Atlantis. Namor finds out about the attack, but by the time he gets to Atlantis, it's completely destroyed. All of this is going on during the Infinity storyline, so most of the Avengers are off-world dealing with the threat of the Builders. And when the Avengers are gone, Thanos will come out and play, and play Thanos does. He's back on Earth looking for the Infinity Gems, but also his son Thane, who he intends to kill. Uh, Thanos sends members of the Black Order out to raise the Earth, so he sends the Black Dwarf to Wakanda, but the Black Dwarf is defeated by T'Challa. Proxima Midnight is sent to Atlantis, but when she arrives, she sees that Atlantis is already destroyed. She offers to not destroy what's left of Atlantis if Namor will give her the location of the Infinity Stone. And he tells her the stone can be found in Wakanda. So Thanos sends his armies against Wakanda, where they're able to gain access to the City of the Dead, Necropolis. This is the city that T'Challa is actually the king over at the time. It's where all the previous kings of Wakanda are buried, and it's been the secret base of the Illuminati, where they've been constructing their bombs. In the meantime, Reed Richards has also created a sort of mirror or window into the other worlds of the multiverse. 
So they're able to study the other Earths and the other incursions that are going on. Uh, many of them are void of life, but they do find one Earth which a group of heroes have stopped three incursions. Uh, these heroes call themselves the Great Society, and the Illuminati see that they are noble and brave and pretty good people. Unfortunately, when an incursion occurs between the two planets, the two groups of heroes try to come up with a mutually beneficial plan, but the Great Society are kind of suspicious of the heroes from the 616 universe. Namor decides that these negotiations and discussions are going nowhere, so he just starts what he thinks is inevitable, a battle between the two groups. The two groups battle, but Doctor Strange is able to give the Illuminati the edge that they need to defeat the Great Society. They begin to prepare to use their bomb to destroy the world, but none of the members can bring themselves to kill literally millions of innocent people. T'Challa decides, as a king, it's his responsibility to do this terrible thing to save his people of Wakanda, but at the last moment, he's unable to trigger the bomb. Namor takes the trigger and detonates the bomb himself, destroying the other Earth, but saving their world. Namor tries to justify his actions to all the other Illuminati, but the weight of the event and what has just occurred, and with Namor just being his true self, the other members of the Illuminati tell Namor to leave. He isn't part of the Illuminati anymore. As this happens, another incursion is already on the way. The heroes have seven hours to figure out a solution, but broken by what they've already done, they decide to just live out the last few hours of their lives, unable to bear the responsibility of destroying yet another planet. Each member of the Illuminati have a timer counting down till the final seconds of the incursion, when the worlds will collide and everyone will be killed. When the timer hits zero seconds, then all of a sudden 10 plus seconds and 15 seconds, it keeps counting up. They realize something's up. Did they miscalculate all of this? Did they not take into account something? Why is this incursion not happening? Well, no, actually, <laughs> Namor, knowing that something still had to be done about these incursions, informs some people of what's actually going on and asks them to help him destroy planets. Uh, this is the new Cabal, and it consists of Thanos, Proxima Midnight, and Corvus Glaive of the Black Order, Terax, the truly enlightened uh, herald of Galactus that the Illuminati had captured from another incursion event, Maximus the Mad, which is the brother of Black Bolt and the Black Swan. The reason the Earth is still there after the incursion event is because the Cabal have destroyed the other world. Terax then goes in front of the UN Security Council on Earth and tells them about the incursions and how the Illuminati have kept it all from the people of Earth. Then they tell everyone that they'll save Earth, and they only want one thing for it. They want to be given Wakanda, which the people of Earth agree to. The Illuminati realize that they can't actually win. The world will be destroyed. So they instead start focusing on how not to lose. T'Challa develops a life raft of sorts that will be able to survive the incursions. Then humanity can rebuild afterwards. The final incursion is with Marvel's 1610 universe, the, uh, the Ultimates universe, and after the collision of the worlds, everything dies. But while the Illuminati are doing all of this, Doctor Doom has been working on his own plan, and his plan consisted of becoming a god. 
he's able to construct a new world out of pieces of the destroyed multiverse, and this is the beginning of Secret Wars. Secret Wars is an insane and delightful series. It has nine main comics and literally hundreds of off stories that can add to the entire world of this event, or can be completely ignored if you don't want to read them. But this is B is for Black Panther, not B is for Secret Wars. That doesn't even begin to make sense anyway. So I'm going to give you the rundown of how Black Panther plays out in all of this and what came of everything. Before the last incursion, Black Panther is one of the heroes that saved in the life raft. Uh, Doom is the ruler and god of Battleworld. Doctor Strange was also saved by Doom and becomes his sheriff. And the Thors, yeah, with an S, meaning plural, the Thors become his enforcers. And each different land in Battleworld is being run by a different governor. We also see many alternative timeline heroes all in the same world, but separated by the borders of Battleworld. So yeah, this event is absolutely nuts. Black Panther and Namor end up tracking down several mystical trinkets that Doctor Strange has hidden away in the hopes of being able to defeat Doom eventually. They discover an Infinity Gauntlet, and Black Panther travels to the Deadlands, and this is where all the Marvel zombies are housed. And Black Panther, being the king of the dead, he's able to command them. So they storm Doom's castle while other people are also attacking. So there's this whole huge battle. While battling Doom with the Infinity Gauntlet, Doom realizes that his battle with T'Challa is all just a distraction. Reed Richards has figured out Doom's real power lies with the Molecule Man. Molecule Man ends up destroying Battleworld and creating Earth Prime. T'Challa, having the Infinity Gauntlet, is able to use the Reality Gem to recreate Wakanda. And we end up back at the beginning of New Avengers where this whole thing started out. Where we see that Wakanda has discovered a new habitable planet. Civil War 2 ends up breaking out in the Marvel Universe, and Inhuman has gone through Terragenesis. Uh, this is the process of an Inhuman transforming into their Inhuman-powered self, uh, who has the power to see the future. And Carol Danvers, or Captain Marvel, uh, wants to use this power to prevent future disasters. Tony Stark says that this isn't something they should do. Arresting people before they actually commit crimes isn't right. In the overall disagreement, Black Panther sides with Carol until she goes to arrest Miles Morales for killing Captain America in one of the visions. After this disagreement, Black Panther defaults to the other side, joining Iron Man. In the Secret Empire event, a Cosmic Cube has corrupted Steve Rogers. We discussed Cosmic Cubes also in Episode 1A as for Adam Warlock, but uh, they're relics that can manipulate reality, and Red Skull uses it to make Captain America an agent of Hydra. Thinking that Cap would then work for him, the cube actually changed Cap's entire history, making him a Hydra double agent from the beginning. Uh, he's totally loyal to Hydra and realizes that the Red Skull is not really the best thing for Hydra, so he ends up killing him and eventually becoming the Supreme Hydra leader and taking over the United States. Uh, the Cosmic Cube is broken into several shards, and one of those shards ends up in Wakanda. Uh, Steve and the Underground, who are resisting and rebelling against the new Hydra regime, are searching for the shards of the cube, but T'Challa refuses to give his pieces of the cube to either side. He wants to remain neutral in all of this, but uh, Hydra 
isn't exactly going to take no for an answer. So Hydra captures Black Panther, uh, but with the assistance of the Winter Soldier, he's able to discover the plan for Steve and Arnim Zola is to infuse some stolen Stark tech with the power of the Cosmic Cube. The heroes are able to trick Hydra Cap and the living embodiment of the Cosmic Cube, Kobik, bring back the original Steve Rogers. Uh, in Marvel Legacy, which is uh, recently launched, T'Challa establishes Wakanda in space on a planet they call Bast, and he says that he wants to do this to drag mankind to the stars on the back of Wakandan science. The planet was originally inhabited by far less technologically advanced people, so T'Challa offers to help push them to the future and all as well. So that covers almost everything up to this point with Black Panther, but there's a few other fun facts that I didn't really get to get into that I wanted to throw out there. I mentioned the Marvel Zombies in the alternate timeline and story, Marvel Zombies. Black Panther is actually one of the few heroes in that universe that isn't affected by the zombie virus. Uh, T'Challa actually invented the Quinjet, which is the main source of transportation that the Avengers use. He's been on several different teams. He, of course, was on the Avengers. He's taken a place on the Fantastic Four before. Uh, he's been a member of the Ultimates, the Illuminati, of course. He's been part of the Defenders and Fantastic Force. And he's also a part of the crew, Black Panther and the crew, which is Misty Knight, Luke Cage, Storm, and Manifold. The Dora Melache are Black Panther's personal bodyguards, and they're women that are recruited from each tribe in Wakanda, and they're pretty bad. Uh, they're almost probably close to equal with uh, Black Panther when it comes to fighting. So you've heard all of this about Black Panther, but what are some things you can actually read, some comic books that you can read to like take in some of this Black Panther? Uh, some things that I would recommend. Uh, Christopher Priest run in 1998 that starts in 1998. Black Panther 1 through 5 is The Client, and 6 through 12 is Enemy of the State. Those two storylines are really good. Almost all of the Priest stuff is just pretty excellent. Black Panther number one through four in 2016, written by Coates, uh, Nation Under Our Feet is a really good place to start. That's one of the current titles that's going on right now for Black Panther, so if you want to pick that up, you should be able to find that still in the stores if it's uh, if the first few issues weren't sold out. And by now, I think there should be a couple of them in trade. Uh, Jungle Action number six through 18 is Panther's Rage, 1973. We talked about that. That's one of the first or it's considered one of the first Marvel graphic novels. Uh, Black Panther 1 through 6, Who is the Black Panther by Hudlin? Uh, that's in 2005, another great, great series. Black Panther number 39 through 41 is See Wakanda and Die from 2008. This is when the scroll are attacking Wakanda, and Black Panther is having none of it. It is pretty wild. And I would also recommend the new Avengers 1 through 33, the 2013 through 2015 series leading up to Secret Wars. I think that is an excellent, excellent read. Well, that is it for this episode of N is for Nerd. I hope you enjoyed learning about Black Panther as much as I did. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can email me at ray at nisfornerd.com. This podcast isn't really meant to be a complete unabridged version of the Black Panther's history, so if you find any mistakes I made or anything, you can let me know. Next episode on N is for Nerd, C is for Captain Marvel.
Thanks for listening to this episode of In Is For Nerd. In Is For Nerd is a completely listener-supported podcast. I'm able to do this just because of people like you. If you would like to help support In Is For Nerd, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash nerd. You can also find more episodes on innisfornerd.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere else podcasts are found. Show notes for this episode and more can be found at innisfornerd.com. And please go and rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. This helps us out a lot. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerd. Twitter is at nerd, And you can also find me as part of the podcast, Nerds Who Get Laid, sometimes, where we discuss current nerd events. In is for Nerd is recorded at Big Brown Record Town in Lake City, Florida. All Marvel Comics characters and their distinctive likenesses thereof are trademarked copyright Marvel characters, Inc. All rights reserved. <laughs>